ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 Purpose Girls. Question for you. What is your relationship to money? Like, your first answer might be, I love money, I want more money. But if you dig deep down, what are some of the things that you say to yourself about money? Do you ever tell yourself, there's just not enough of it, I never have enough money, where is the money, I can't afford that? Do you tell yourself, oh, I cannot stand rich people, or those people are such snobs? Money is such an interesting thing, right? It's really just energy. It's an exchange from one person to another. And yet we have all this taboo around it. It's like we all want it. And yet there's so much taboo. And what I have found in my own life and that of clients is that each one of us has a money story. And typically that money story is what is holding us back from actually being able to make more money, actually being able to have the money that we desire. And a crazy thing, how many women even talk about money, right? It's like we're not supposed to. It's bad. It's wrong. Well, then what message are we sending to money that we say that we want? Today's episode of the Purpose Girl podcast is all about your money story, how to get clear on where your blocks are around money, your relationship to money, how to shift it, how to flip it. And frankly, I was asked to do this by a member of my Purpose Girls Facebook group. I put out, hey, what do you guys want to know on the podcast? And someone had said, I mentioned the money story. And it's interesting. I've brought it up on the national radio show that I'm on as well. And people always want to know more. I'm doing this show in response to that. But the most important reason I'm doing this show is that I firmly believe that when we as women step into our power with money, the world will change. Because research shows that women. When you give money to a woman, the family and the community will be fed. This has been shown in research studies around the world. And so when women have more money, the world will change for the better. So I cannot wait. You are in for an amazing show. So awesome. Welcome to the Purpose Girl podcast money story episode. Of course, first, we want to get to our review of the week. This review is a five-star review coming from Isabella Ohm in the United States. And she says, love this podcast. It's so relatable to women of all ages. Thank you for being so honest with your life situations. Keep up the great work. Heart. Oh, Isabella, it is my honor to share with you my real life. I think a real issue out there is too many life coaches, too many celebrities, too many people who are on Instagram try to show that everything is only perfect and we are setting everybody up for failure. And that is not the truth. The truth is that we are all of the above and every single situation in our life has so much to teach us. So let's get to the money. So there are three topics that we're not supposed to talk about in public, right? Money, sex, and politics. Now you would know from the Purpose Call podcast that I actually like talking about sex because I think it is critically important to a woman's well-being. It's critically important to your happiness. We have these beautiful sex organs and we need to be able to have that kind of pleasure. We need to be able to feel all of the good juiciness in our whole body in order to be happy. Well, the same is actually true of money. If you think about it, we deal with money every single day. You're running to the store to get milk and you're taking money out of your wallet you're opening up an envelope and there is a bill to pay something with money. You have lunch with a friend, she pays for you. And in that, in essence, in that moment, you have received the $10 of money that she's paid for you. So we are really, we're with money all the time and yet we're not supposed to talk about it. Like it's some sort of taboo. What are we so afraid of? What are we so ashamed of? Whatever is at the heart of that shame or fear or guilt that is our money story. 
Our money story is the ingrained story that you tell yourself about money, what it is, what it isn't, what's wrong with it, what your capability is to earn it, what people who have it are or are not. And we each have this story because the way that the brain works, we create beliefs, right? A belief is simply something that you have thought over and over again, right? So it's a thought multiplied is a belief. And that belief becomes a story when it's so automatic that it just comes out of our mouth. Like your kids are asking for more candy at the grocery store and you're like, money doesn't grow on trees. You aren't even thinking. It's automatic. That story just comes out. Or you are looking at going on a retreat or taking your family on a vacation. You go, oh, we just can't afford it. We have no money, right? We just, we say it. Now, I'm not inside of your bank account, so I'm not saying that you have the money or you don't. What I am saying is that we all have a story about money and usually many stories about money. And it's those stories that actually influence our ability to earn more of it. Now, before you sit there and you go, Karen, this is crazy. My ability to earn is based on my asshole boss who won't give me a raise, or my ability to earn is because I have chosen to be home with the kids, and so we're a one-income household. I hear you. I'm not inside of your bank account. What I am saying is that as long as we have stories about lack and we repeat them to ourselves over and over again, the way that the brain works, you will continue to repeat that story and not have the ability to see possibility to earn more. Rather, when we can shift the story to money being abundant, to money being available for everybody, to money coming in creative ways that we don't yet know what they will be, to money being beautiful in exchange and that we are each worthy of contribution. When we can change the story, what literally happens in our brains is that we are shifting from a narrowed, negative fight-flight response around money where we have to fear it and be afraid of it and run from it and fight it into a response where we then go into our prefrontal cortex, the part of our brain that can see more opportunity, that is positive, that is open, is curious. This is literally brain science. This is neuroscience. So We all have stories about money, and we learn that story from our parents, our grandparents, our religious institutions, our upbringing, the schools, the community, anyone and anywhere that had influence on you as you were growing up. And you learn all of that, and it comes together, and it begins to give you thoughts about money, beliefs about money, feelings about money. And by the way, It's not just true of money, right? This is also true for an example of purpose or dreams. You probably have thoughts and beliefs and a story about going after your dreams, right? Because maybe your mom or your dad said, dreams are just fantasy. You have to be realistic. And so you learned the story you have is that dreams are not real. And you could replace the word money here, right? With dreams, with purpose, with love, with anything, because As we're growing up and we're learning so much from these various influences in our life, we develop a story about that. And the issue isn't money or relationship or love or purpose because there is so much money in this world. We know that there is enough money to feed every human alive. We know that there is enough money to feed every human alive. So the issue is not money. The issue isn't even the jerks that seem to have all the money. The issue is that we close ourselves off with our money story to our ability to earn more. And that's what I want to shift with today's show. First, I want to share my own money story. So I grew up the daughter of a teacher and an architect. Now, a lot of people think, oh, architects make a lot of money. And they can. And when the economy is down, the building market goes down. And my dad, if he could do it over, would probably be a stay-at-home dad. He's a brilliant architect. You should see the work. I mean, the house I grew up in is 40 years old, and it looks like it was built yesterday. He has such a great eye for design. But he never really wanted to be an entrepreneur. He never really wanted to go into business. And my mom worked her butt off and became the head of her math department at her local college. Like, 
these are two genius, amazing people. And I never wanted for anything. Okay. The only thing I think I quote unquote didn't get was I wanted a Cabbage Patch doll. And I think that they were too expensive that year. And I wanted more than one pair of guest jeans, right? When I was like, I don't remember if it was 12 or 13 or 14, guest jeans were everything. And my parents gave me one pair, which is amazing because now I look at jeans and I'm like, I wouldn't spend $100 on jeans. That's crazy for me. It might not be for you. And I got one pair, but of course I wanted 10 pairs like the other girls in school, right? And so I really never wanted for anything. They took us on vacation every year. We had all the food we could possibly eat. I lived in a beautiful house with a pool. I had everything. I also, though, grew up in a neighborhood with incredibly wealthy, wealthy kids, incredibly wealthy, wealthy people. My area that I grew up in is so wealthy that in my high school yearbook, there was a foldout called the top 10 cars in the parking lot. The top 10 cars in the parking lot. Like, I was lucky enough to get a hand-me-down. Like, I was lucky enough to have a car at all. But in the school I went to, in the community I grew up in, these kids and these parents and these people had a ton of money. And so I grew up always kind of knowing I don't have as much. Those people have more money. Money is for other people. And I often felt like a lot of those kids were snobs. Now, I don't know if I felt that way because that's what I picked up in my household. That was the truth that a lot of kids seemed kind of snobby to me, but that was the story. Oh, people with money are snobs. They don't care about doing good in the world. They only care about money. At the same time, my grandparents were Holocaust survivors. May they rest in peace. And they worked so hard once they came to America. My grandpa had been kicked out of medical school in Austria. He came to America Medical schools would not take him to finish his last year. He ended up getting his master's in public health and creating a beautiful career in the nonprofit sector where he was doing such great work in the world. And he was making decent money. You know, he was able to raise my mom and my uncle with everything, with anything. My grandmother ended up being a teacher's assistant. And so it's not that they ever wanted for anything. But keep in mind, they were Holocaust survivors. My grandfather lost his parents in a concentration camp. And so they saved tea bags. They would use tea bags at least twice, sometimes three times. We would call them up and say, What are you having for dinner tonight? Oh, we have half a bagel in the fridge. We have a few grapes. We have half of a piece of chicken left from yesterday. And they would put together this dinner. And it seemed kind of funny to us, you know, when we were in high school or college, that this was their dinner. But whatever they had, they used. And so, the message I got, again, was that there is not enough. Hang on to what you have. Save everything. And I'll tell you, when they passed away, it turns out that they had saved a lot of money. But what I picked up from them was that they, you had to hang on to everything. Right? There isn't enough. And I understand it. This is not judging. This is not judging my family. This is not judging my parents or grandparents. This is simply the message that I picked up when I was a kid. And they might not have meant to give me that message. I was just watching, as all kids do, because our brains are so impressionable. I also learned get everything on sale, clip coupons. Now, I still love to get everything on sale. I get a little high out of it. Anyone else? Like, I just love getting things on sale. And I love free samples, right? Like, go to Costco hungry and you will eat everything, right? All the free samples. Or like, if I go to Whole Foods and there's no free samples, I will be really upset. It's just part of the mentality that I grew up with. I was taught to ask if there are free refills on Coke before I order another one. And it's not bad because my parents didn't want to just spend money erroneously. They wanted us to learn how to be responsible with money. And I think that that is huge. And so I still love things that are on sale. And I still like asking, hey, are there refills? If not, I'll space out how long it takes me to finish my Sprite. And there are people who think that that's silly. I should just order another one. Nothing wrong with my mindset, except. If I really believe that there's not enough in the world and that I don't have enough money to spend another $2.50 on another Coke. So what I learned overall is that money is kind of scarce. We don't have enough of it. We need to save it. You have to work really hard to get it. People who have money are snobs. Money is for other people. Money is for the beautiful people. And I ended up telling myself, I don't want it anyway because I would rather do good in the world. 
I'd rather do good than do well, right? Because people with money are not good. <laughs> and so that was the story. I wasn't even aware of it. Now, I became aware of it when I hired my first business coach, right? I went out on my own and I was doing my best to run a business. I had no business experience. I just had this big dream, this big purpose that I was going to inspire millions of women. I had no idea how I would do it. And for a few years, I was throwing spaghetti at a wall. I was reaching out to everybody I knew and money was coming. So it was fine. But I also felt stretched in a million directions. I had no idea. I was scared. I felt overwhelmed. And so I hired my first coach, my, my first business coach. And she's the one who introduced me to the idea of a money story. And as she taught me how to get clear about my own story, I realized that one of the things I had learned was that people who do good in the world, like teachers, social workers, don't make money. But other people, they could make money because they didn't care, right? So these were the, some of the mentalities. This is the story that I grew up with. I really thought I had to make a choice, a career choice that I either could fuel my soul or I could do something that fit my values. And I talked about this a couple of episodes ago with starting your purpose-based business. This idea that many of us think we can either do well or do good. And what I want to promote is that you can do well by doing good. I'll repeat that. You can do well by doing good. So I want you to pause for a moment and I want you to think about what your own money story is. And the way to get clear on that is to start thinking about what did I learn from my parents about money? What did I see in them? What did I learn from my grandparents about money? What did I see? What did they say or what did I just notice? What did I learn from the community I grew up in? What did I learn from the religious institution? What did I learn in school? What did I learn from my friends? And the more you can get clear on each and every aspect of your childhood and how you grew up, the more you can start to see what the patterns were and what has created your own story, right? Like my grandparents taking sweet and low packets, <laughs> those fake sugar packets home, totally understandable considering their experience with the Holocaust. But what I came to understand is there's not enough, right? We can't afford to buy our own sweet and low. Of course, now I know they absolutely could, but that was what I learned. My dad would tell me that money didn't grow on trees. So what did I learn? There's not enough. Now, again, this is not venting about my family. The opposite. I love them and I'm so grateful for all of the values that they taught me. I am 100% purpose-focused because of them. My grandparents, who we would not blame if they had been the angriest people on earth given what they lived through, given that they had to give up everything that they knew when they were teenagers, given that their family members died at Hitler's hand, I wouldn't blame it if they were the most bitter people on earth, but they weren't. My grandparents were loving and kind, and they it's like they exuded love from every cell of their body, and they were 100% about giving back to the community, 100% about purpose. Right? My grandfather really wanted people to heal. My grandmother became a teacher's assistant for little kids. They were the people in the community who went to visit others in the hospital. Like They were purpose-focused. My parents were also purpose-focused. My mom became a teacher. My dad, an architect, he really was all about his purpose of creating beauty and design that worked for people. Like I became purposeful because of them. That said, we all learn things from our family's upbringing, some helpful and some not helpful. And so the story that my mind created about money led to a fear of money, led to the belief that I had to make a choice between purpose and profit led to me thinking that there is lack and led to me questioning my own worth. Am I worthy of getting a manicure right now? Am I worthy of that massage? It seems like a luxury. Oh, do I really want to spend money on a whole new set of curtains? Like we don't really need them. These are actual questions that I have said to myself before, before I really started getting into my own money story. Now, here's the cool thing. We're adults. Right, Purpose Girls? We are adults. And so we get to choose now. We get to step back 
and actually look at any story that we grew up with, whether it's a story about money, it's a story about love, it's a story about sex, it's a story about relationship, anything, purpose, dreams, and we get to say, and what do I believe? And what do I choose? As an example, my brother flipped his story and his beliefs to the complete polar opposite. And I guess from when he was a little kid, my parents took us to this fancy area of Florida just to walk around, get some ice cream, look in the windows. And I guess my brother at like eight years old or nine years old, he looked around. He said, how do all these people have so much money? I want to have this much money. I want to have this much money. And my dad says it drove him so crazy. He took him back to the car like he did not want to hear about all this money. But my brother became a very well-off attorney in Michigan. And so he really was like, no, I'm not going to live by that story. And he created his own story and good for him. It took me a little bit longer to even see that I had a money story and to shift it. And what I've shifted it to now is realizing money is abundant. There's so much money in the world. And everybody wants to give you money if it's something that they desire deeply. I also now see that my work and my service is really worthy and that I'm worthy of great contribution for my contribution, right? I'm making a contribution to the world and I deserve great contribution in return for it. That's an energy exchange. I believe everybody is capable of making great money. I believe everybody should have everything that they desire. And I believe everybody can. I also now know that you can make a difference and make good money at the same time. You can do well by doing good. So let me pause here and let me ask you, what are some of the words that you identify with money? I'm just going to read some to you. Jealous, cheap, lack, survival, not enough, fear, Avoid, stressful, undeserving, luxury, don't want to talk about it, shame, guilt, stingy, abundant, beautiful, energy, aliveness, Fruitful, worthy, deserving, affluent, open. And I could read more words, right? It goes on, but just which of those words? You might have some from both lists, or you might notice that you have more words in one list than another. Now, if some of the words that you used were jealous, lack, stressful, Imagine for a moment that you wanted a romantic relationship. Let's just say right now you really desire a lover. And you would think about your lover and you actually had your eye on a particular person. In this case, we'll call it a him, could be a her, could be a them. Either way, you like somebody, you have your eye on them. And he's beautiful and he offers a lot. And you knew that he could serve you. However, you talked about him and you acted around him like you do about money. Okay, think for a minute that with this beautiful man, you were stuck in jealousy. With this beautiful man, you avoided him. With this beautiful woman, you consistently just felt unworthy and undeserving. With this beautiful person, You consistently were like, oh, I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to talk about it. Just get away from me. I'm going to avoid it, right? Those are the ways that we treat money. This substance that we say that we want, this substance that we say we want more of, this is how we treat it. So what would it sound like? Think about it for a minute. What would it sound like if you were talking to a potential love the way you talk about money? Now, here's the thing with this entire podcast episode. I am not saying that money is going to make you happier. Okay, we actually know from the research that after a certain amount, after you can pay your for your basic needs and your bills and whatever it is that you need, a manicure, you know, a vacation once a year, after that, making more money 
doesn't actually bring you more happiness. It's called Easterlin Paradox. We actually know this from the research. And everyone I know wants a little bit something more in their life. You want to be able to go on vacation with ease. Maybe you want to be able to get out of debt and just feel some peace in your heart. You want to be able to pay for your kid's college and not have to stress. And maybe you want to go beyond that. You want a yacht. Awesome. You want to go live in Bora Bora for six months. Power to you, sister. You want to be able to start a foundation and a charity and give a million dollars every year. Yes, rock on. We've got to stop thinking of money as this evil thing. What we know from the research is that the wealthiest people, what they say makes them happiest are relationships. And we know that there are plenty of very wealthy people who are not happy. So I'm not telling you to do all this money work because it will suddenly make you happy. What I am saying is that let's not deny ourselves what could be rightfully ours. And that if there are aspects of life that you desire that would make you happy, right? Starting a foundation to be able to give back to kids or whatever cause is important to you, or being able to pay for your niece and nephew to go to private school because they live in not the best area and that would just make you filled with so much joy, or to finally get those shoes that you've been dying for. Or if you're like me and Josh, you want a boat one day, we totally do. And I want there to be a sleeper berth because we want to be able to take it out for a week or two. There's nothing wrong with that. And it is those memories, that giving, that love, all of it, that will lead to happiness. So let's stop shying away from it. It's totally okay (laughs) that we want more money. So if you could describe your relationship to money, what would it be? I mentioned on the Purpose Girl podcast episode two weeks ago about fear that I was working with a client around her money story, this very topic. And so I'm so glad I'm expanding on it now. And I asked her, so if you could describe your relationship, what would it be? And she said, I don't have one. Right. So she, because she wants to create a business, grow a business. She wants it to be lucrative. And at the same time, she's afraid for it to be because she has these money stories. So I said, okay, and what relationship would you want to have with your money? And she said, I want to be friends. Right? Isn't that beautiful? She wants to be friends with her money. I told her, I want to be lovers with my money. Like, I literally want the relationship where I'm so appreciative of the money that comes in, that of every dollar that comes to us. I'm so grateful. I'm so appreciative that I think about it and I speak about it the way I think about and speak about Josh with love and appreciation and admiration. I also want to believe that I can earn and that I'm worthy of earning more. And that if there's something my heart is desiring, that I can create that. That's just like a lover, right? I want a love affair with money. Frankly, I want a love affair with everything. I want a love affair with love. I want a love affair with dreams. And why not? Why do we accept mediocre? Why do we accept less than mediocre? Why do we accept so much debt? Why do we accept feeling so much pain and stress and lack around money? Why do we accept feeling so much pain and lack around our marriages or around sex or around anything? It's like we've been taught that we're only worthy of like a three out of 10. And maybe that's because that's what our parents had. Maybe that's because what their parents had. We live in a different world now. What would it be like if you actually had an eight out of 10? What would it be like if you had an eight out of 10? Now, again, you might be sitting there and thinking, Karen, you are crazy. You don't know my bank account. You don't know our work situation. I'm already working two or three jobs to make it work. I absolutely hear you and I applaud you. What I'm suggesting is the way that you treat the money and those jobs matters to your capability to grow and earn more and be able to have more for your family. Because if you have those two or three jobs and you continuously complain about it, oh, I've just got to work two jobs just to make it by, oh, I can't stand how this system works. Oh, I'm not making enough money. Let's think about how the brain works. Let's think about energy. What we know from an energetic perspective is what you focus on, you create more of. What you think about, you bring about. Now, this might sound like some sort of woo-woo crap. There is both an energetic explanation for this and there is a neuroscience explanation for this. 
think about it. People who are miserable and they're constantly complaining and constantly miserable and constantly venting, who are their friends? Other people who are miserable and constantly venting and constantly complaining. Because that is the energy that they're putting out and that is what they're attracting back. And so they're staying like in this very low place, almost like in the swamp, like a swampy, mucky, muddy, icky place. Now think about the people who are really positive and they live their life with gratitude and appreciation and they're open to new possibilities and they cheerlead other people and they believe other people are awesome and they talk about other people's beauty and excellence and they themselves believe in dreams and they're going for it. Now, who are their friends? Ideally, other people like that. Now, a lot of us, as we grow out of the muck and we have kind of an awakening, we go, oh, wait, I want to live in that more positive place. You find yourself, wait, but all my friends are still stuck in the muck and you now need to find a different sisterhood, which is why I'm so about Purpose Girls, right? You find a different sisterhood or you need to find a different group of friends who are where you are and want to be. So energetically, like attracts like. It's a universal law of energy, the law of attraction. Now, how does energy work? Again, going back to science, Einstein's most famous theory was E equals MC squared, right? That was energy equals matter. What that means is that every single thing is made up of energy. So you are made up of tiny, tiny, tiny energy particles. I am made up of tiny, tiny, tiny particles of energy. The table I'm sitting at is made up of tiny, tiny particles of energy. And that energy is always moving and it moves at a different pace and then appears to create these hard forms. Now, this might sound totally crazy, but just follow me for a minute. Remember, it was Einstein who said energy equals matter. So everything is moving energy. And so like energy attracts like energy. So really high vibration, positive, open, loving, grateful, abundant energy is going to attract that of the same. Now, from a brain perspective, this is how it works. We all have stories that we tell ourselves, right? These are the beliefs that we repeat over and over again. And a shortcut of the brain, right? There's like millions of bits of information coming at you at any time. Like right now, you're hearing my voice. You might be driving your car, paying attention to the car in front of you. Your stomach might growl. You might be hungry. Like there's information coming at you all the time. And the brain can only handle so much information at once. And so the brain creates shortcuts. And one of the shortcuts is called confirmation bias. And what that means is whatever the brain already thinks, it sees more of that. It's a way for your brain to have a shortcut and not have to think about new information coming in. So how does that relate to this? What it means is that when you have a story that money is bad, that money makes you jealous, it's stressful, that the relationship sucks, that is what you are going to see more of. It's just how your brain is wired and how your brain works. Now you actually take any of those thoughts, any of that energy, and you put it out in the world and you start complaining to your friends about how there's no money or complaining at the office that they never give raises. And you're just constantly putting that out. Now, no one likes to be around people like that, right? Like maybe the other complainers, but your boss is not going to suddenly be like, oh my God, you're so awesome. You're so positive. Come, let me give you a raise. Let me give you a promotion. Because you're literally sinking yourself down. And so this works at so many levels why whatever you focus on is what you bring more of in your life. Now imagine this. Even if you are right now working two or three jobs to make ends meet and I am just handing it to you, mama, because you are awesome, okay? I'm just giving you all the props. What if instead of complaining, you were filled with gratitude? Wow, I am so blessed to have these two jobs. I am so grateful that I have all this food I can put on the table for my kids. I am just beyond that I get to do work in the world that is productive. Now, what literally starts happening in your brain is your brain says, ooh, more of that. Because when we are grateful, confirmation bias, your brain looks for more good. That attitude also externally is going to be noticed by other people. Other people will want to be around you. Other people will want more. And from an energetic perspective, you attract more people like you. So we literally have to change our relationship to money. Whether you want to be best friends with your money, you want to be lovers with your money, you want to create a whole different kind of relationship, 
gratitude is the name of the game. In fact, this first business coach that I hired, her name was Gina DeVee, and she gave me some positive money beliefs. And these are some of hers I just wanted to share. Money helps find freedom, generosity, and compassion. Right. Money helps create freedom. If you repeat that to yourself every single day, money helps create freedom. What literally is going to start to happen because of how your brain works, you are going to start finding more ways for money to create freedom for you. Another one of her beliefs, money allows us to make contributions to the world. Yes, money allows us to make contributions to the world. That's right. We just upgraded our podcast equipment. Well, I couldn't have done that without money. I can bring you a better podcast because I have better equipment. Do you see how that works? It allows me to make a bigger contribution to you. Keep in mind, I do this podcast for free. So I need money coming in in order to give you something even better. Here's another one of hers. Abundance and money flows constantly. Abundance and money flows constantly. How beautiful is that? Abundance and money flows. Now, you again, in your mind, it might be going, uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> you haven't seen my bank account. It's all a matter of perspective. If we have the belief that money and abundance flows and we look for it in the world, money and abundance is flowing to those people. Money and abundance is flowing in that place. Then we see that it is possible and we can start to say, I too can create abundance and money flow. And then you use one of my favorite mindset tricks, which is to say, how? How is that possible? How could I do that? Maybe you then go to your bank and ask for a lower percentage on your credit card debt. Maybe you then find a consolidator. Maybe you then find a money manager. Maybe you find a financial planner and you say, I'm going to give $50 a month to start putting away. It is always possible when we start to shift our beliefs around it, we start to shift the story. There are a few money books that I love, and one of them is called The Science of Getting Rich. <laughs> the Science of Getting Rich, it's by Wallace Waddles, and it is an original. And so I warn you, some of the language is like a little outdated and a little old school, okay? If you can kind of read past that, he says this, the universe desires you to have everything you want to have. The universe desires you to have everything you want to have. Think about it. Why would you have been born if the universe didn't want you to have everything that you want to have? So he says, you must never think for a moment that supply is limited. You must never think for a moment that supply is limited. Right. If we think supply is limited, that's all we'll see. That's all we'll create. Again, go back to neuroscience and how it works. If we think, if we see that supply is abundant and we see it everywhere and we start looking for it, it changes. Now, let me give you an example. I went to get my hair cut on Friday and my hairstylist said, I'm going to give it to you for free. Now, at first I said, no, 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 you can't do it. That's ridiculous. And she said, yeah, I am. No, no, no. And she said, I'm going to have Johnny give you an extra conditioning treatment. I was like, you cannot do that. Yes, I can. And I paused for my, oh, wait a minute. This is my opportunity for money to flow to and through me, right? Because she's gifting me. And so the opportunity to receive that gift is me saying, yes, there is money, flow, and abundance. Finding a dime on the ground, yes, there is money, flow, and abundance. Seeing other people with money, I know it can be hard. I know it can feel jealous. Huh. Okay, wait, they are an example. Shift it from jealousy to inspiration. They are an example that money is in flow. Cool. Got it. So the supply is abundant, which allows us then to say, awesome, just how can I tap into more supply? Show me, right? show me universe. So no matter what is in your bank account, can you look at what you do have and be grateful for it? Can you look at what you do have and say, I am so blessed for this. I'm so blessed that we do have food on the table tonight. I'm so blessed that I do have love at this table. Because the more you can focus on what is working, we know from the science that you will look for more of that and create more of that in your life. Interestingly, in The Science of Getting Rich, Wallace Waddles talks about that you must do things in a certain way. And I read this book the first time and I was like, well, what's the way? Tell me the way. If you tell me the way, I'll do it. What's the certain way? What's the way? 
And I think my third time reading the book, it's very short, you can read it very quickly. I went, oh, a certain way. In other words, that you are certain that there is more than enough. You are certain that there is abundance. You are certain that you are capable, that you are worthy of more flow and abundance into your life. And you walk around certain of it. Now, I know that this can be difficult at times. It's difficult over here at times too. We went through a summer where we went into $100,000 of debt and it seriously shook me to my core. Because when I was married the first time, we had a ton of debt. We each made good livings. We were like 25 years old and collectively making, I think, $130,000. Like, that's great. 25, that was like amazing. It's amazing no matter what. And yet we would bounce checks all the time and I couldn't understand it. And what I realized was my husband loved to spend. So he was constantly buying new CDs. He was constantly buying different shoes or different things. And then because of polarity and duality, I then pulled back. So I didn't buy new shoes for two years. My sister and mom had to finally like have an intervention with me. Like, Karen, those shoes are not, (laughs) they're scuffed up. You can't do that anymore. You got to go get a new pair of shoes. But I was trying to balance him. So I promised myself I would never get into that situation again. And then this summer, honestly, friend, everything fell apart financially for me and Josh. We'd spent $40,000 in loans on fertility. I owned this condominium in Cleveland, Ohio, that I needed to sell and was worth $40,000 less, $40,000 less than what I had paid for it. So I knew there's $80,000. At the same time, I thought we were going to owe a lot more in taxes than we did. At the same time, it's summer and life coaching is not a big business in the summer because people are on vacations. It's not really when people are thinking about improving their life, going for their dreams, creating their purpose. Plus, we had had a flood in the condo in Cleveland. And so that had cost me $15,000 in making up the damages until the insurance paid us. I mean, all these things kept piling up. And the more things piled up, the more things piled up, right? Because then we were like, how do we pay for this? How do we pay for that? And so everything just kept accumulating. And I literally fell to my knees. And so I don't know your situation. I'm not inside your house. I'm not inside your bank account. I'm not inside your shoes. I know my own personal experience of feeling desperate and feeling like I have nothing. And I knew in that moment I had a choice. And that choice was to be so sucked in to worthlessness, lack, stress, belief that we were poor, that we had nothing, that this was going to suck. Or, and I will tell you, my brain went there a lot, days where I would be crying on the floor. And then I realized I have a choice. And I realized I need something. I need something to shake me up. I need something to get me back to myself. I need something that is going to have me believe again, get me back into my optimistic, positive person. And all of a sudden, the idea for Burning Man came to me. Yep, I'm going to go to Burning Man. And I didn't know how, right? It was almost, it was like a month away. Tickets had been sold for months and months. I didn't know how I was going to get there. I told Josh, I want to go. Well, I did find a ticket to go and I found a place to stay and it was $2,500. I'm like, I can't spend $2,500 right now. And then we found a place for Josh, another $2,500. And so there we were in a place of debt and we spent the 5,000. Now that is a huge leap of faith. That is telling the universe, we believe. Let me tell you what happened. We spent that week dancing and we spent that week being our most expressive selves. And we spent that week in love with each other and with friends and with people. And we spent that week shedding old stories. A big part of going to Burning Man is burning off what no longer serves you. And so we shed old stories. We released. And on that last day of Burning Man, I said, Goddess, I'd love 10 new clients this fall. And would you believe they all came? And not only did they all come, a speaking engagement, A big one came to me out of nowhere and a book deal that I didn't even have to go look for came to me. So it is our belief. It is our belief that makes the difference. 
Now, part of that belief, now, how did all those 10 clients come? There's the energetic aspect. And then I came home from Burning Man. I start sharing online this experience of being fully expressed, of living my purpose, being totally in my body, being in love with life. And that is the message that resonated with several of these new clients. Plus, I felt better about myself, so I was posting a lot more. I was sharing a lot more. I was out there saying, hey, I'm available. So energetically, it makes a difference, right? I talked about that there's the energy, there's your brain, and then there's what you put out there. So that's how this works. So what are you focusing on? Are you focusing everything you don't have? Or are you focusing on all that you do? Are you noticing when you receive, like I received the haircut or a friend takes you out for coffee and wow, you just received $3. Focus on that. Have gratitude for everything, even in the hard times. Shift your story. If you said that the words you feel when you think about money are jealousy, fear, worry, what if instead you said the feelings I'm going to feel when I think about money are excitement, joy, happiness, optimism? And then you say, I'm going to go look for examples of it in the world. And you find examples, like I said, where somebody paid for your coffee and you got $3. Or you see an example of a neighbor who got a promotion. Ooh, that's possible. And then you start saying, how could I get a promotion? Huh, well, maybe if I volunteered to do more of the grunt work. Or maybe if I showed interest in taking on more projects. Or maybe if I made a list of all my strengths and I went to my boss and I said, hey, I want a promotion. Like These are things our brain starts working based on the words that we give it. So if you give it words like optimistic, possible, belief, your brain will start working that way. It is neuroscience. It's how our brain works. I'm going to challenge you to go a step higher and make a list of everything you desire. Everything that you think is even so ridiculous that who are you to even think about that? Make that list. What do you really desire? Like, what do you see other women have? And you're like, oh, why does she get the Louboutins? Or you see another woman going off to Fiji and staying in one of those little huts that's probably $10,000 to stay on the water. Why does she get to do that? Why is her husband so rich? Okay, whatever those things are, let yourself desire it. Because nothing is more powerful than a woman's desire. And I want you then to make a desire board. It's like a vision board, but it's up a step from the vision. A vision is like, this is what my life will be. A desire is like my vision on steroids, everything I possibly desire. And then take out $100 from the bank and roll around in that $100 while you think of your desires or talk to the money and say, thank you for bringing me all my desires. Thank you for bringing me the yacht. Thank you for bringing me the bigger apartment. Thank you for bringing me the nonprofit I'm going to start to help kids. Thank you. Josh and I actually just did an exercise. I heard this from a friend of mine where we took like $800 that he had from tutoring and we laid it all over the bed and we literally made out on top of the money, playing with the money on each other's bodies, kissing each other, holding the money. He would put the money in my bride, put the money in, you know, everywhere while we were making out and while we were sharing our desires, our biggest desires living in a city, going to live in Paris for three months, having total abundance to pay for both of our kids' college, all of it, giving money to a cause that we believe in, going to one of those little huts in Fiji, having a yacht with a sleeper. Why not? And what were we doing when we did that? Well, if nothing else, we were having a good time, right? Like if nothing happens from it, we were having a good time. And I bet something good is going to happen because my friend who did it multiplied her money 10 times. So I bet something good is going to come of it because what we did in that moment was we said, money, I trust you. Money, you're part of our relationship. Money, we love you. And we're going to treat you like we love you. We're going to treat you like we believe in you. It's kind of the way that you would talk to your kids or you would talk to someone that you love and believe in your best friend. You wouldn't say to your best friend, I don't believe in you. I hate you. No, you would say to your best friend, I believe in you. You can do this. I'll support you. This is our opportunity with money. So the story that you tell yourself about money matters. Frankly, the story you tell yourself about everything matters. 
like I said, this whole episode, you could replace, anytime I said the word money, replace it with relationship. If you believe that men suck or women suck or relationships suck, then that's what you're going to get. If you believe that relationships are beautiful and you're worthy of one, then that's what you're going to get. So our opportunity is to change our story about money and create the story you want. You get to have any story you want. So create the one that will benefit you. If nothing else, it'll be a heck of a lot more pleasant than the story that you currently have. And go beyond that, let it work for you. For whatever your new story is, I'm best friends with money, I believe money is abundant, then let your brain work for you and start to say, hmm, how? Hmm, show me. Ooh, what are the possibilities? Right? This is our opportunity. And please, as women, let's stop being so ashamed, so guilty, so fearful, so dreadful of this topic. Let's take a stand as a powerful, empowered woman that it is okay to want to do well, that it is okay to want money. And it is more than okay because we know that when women have money, more people are fed, more people are educated, more people are taken care of. So let's all stand up and let's say, let's do well. Let's go increase our money and let's change this world. So with that, Purpose Girls, I hope you loved this episode of the Purpose Girl Podcast. I want to hear how you're rolling in it and how you are abundant and in flow and totally making love to your money. I want to hear everything about it. Go over to PurposeGirl.com, sign up for my newsletter, then get that newsletter. Every week I send out tips and that is also how you can reply to me and let me know your own money, juice and stories. Share this episode with any and every friend, any woman you know who is deserving and worthy of seeing massage as part of their worthiness, not as luxury, as seeing life as worth living instead of just being, eh, okay. Share it with everyone who needs to flip their money story. And let's all have a piece of that big abundance that's in the world. That's how we change the world, one woman at a time. With that, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now.